Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello and welcome back to the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Max Carlin. Max, how's it going today? I'm still riding a high from the Mobley Talk. Uh, how are you, Ben? I'm doing well. That Mobley Talk was a good one, especially because of our guest, PD Webb. PD, how's it going? I'm great. Uh, 2021 has uh, revitalized my uh, you know, vigor for basketball. Yeah, it's a lot more fun. Uh, that's, that's for sure. So we're going to talk about some more non-Mobley prospects today. Uh, I'm not going to spend the entire time talking about one guy. Uh, without rambling anymore, let's just get into our first guy. The wait is finally over. Football is in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantages of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about Daron Sharp, who is a very good basketball player, a very smart basketball player, um, I think there, there are a few things this year that I've seen that are as fun as like the way Dayron ragdolls guys uh, on the glass. Uh, he had some like multiple, uh, possessions against Iowa where he just went straight through Luca Garza. Uh, he, you know, he's a really, really smart player who has some really awesome quick processing passes, uh, and makes some, some really nice off ball defensive plays with his just, you know, quick processing. Um, but he is he's getting hyped by by mainstream sources in the lottery it seems um and that just is kind of nuts um i th- i think there are a few aspects to this first there there are just you know wide ranging athletic concerns and then there's the the added aspect of you just needing a baseline of scoring threat to exist on a basketball floor that Dayron pretty clearly, I think doesn't meet. Um, and I think that, that that's, that's an important point because like, if, if you're to say that someone is, is a nothing on offense, that doesn't mean that they're a neutral and that by being a very impactful defensive player, that they're overall impactful, you know, defensive player, uh, overall player um, being a nothing on offense. It, it's very much like being a DH in baseball. Like your, your defense is not, of zero value compared to a, a replacement level player. 
it's a massively negative value. Uh, and if you have zero scoring threat, you are not doing nothing. You're severely harming your team's offense. Uh, and like, what, what what is the idea of how Dayron threatens the defense's score at all? Yeah, I, I mean, I think especially like going back to high school, like the idea that he can like dribble and initiate offense from the perimeter and like score that way is like, I mean, it, it works in high school some, but it's like totally unfounded. Clearly, I mean, the, I mean, he probably like the easiest like conceivable way is like if he shoots, but like the projection there is you know less than the stellar. Like he's taken two this entire year. He's like it. He's he's at about fifty percent from the line. Like. He's not really making like long twos. It's 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 murky. So and I think tra- tracking his development there, it's been a weird. Yeah, it's like lots of changes. mechanical changes, and like even after all that, it's still not exactly pretty or smooth. Um. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. Like, he's he's not gonna get post ups. Like, he he's not gonna be a great role man. Just because of you know his like we talk about he's very slick we're gonna delay it like he's very slow off the ground, um just severely lacks explosion in all facets of his game, uh yeah I I, I agree with, I don't know how he scores like PD what does Daron Sharp do on the offensive end of the floor not to be a positive or a neutral but just to get to a level where it's like not totally team ruining. Uh, he has to make everything around the rim and shoot. Like, I think that's the best possible outcome. Um, the thing with Dayron is that, like, on both, like, a, if you get too deep into the weeds or take too cursory of a glance, he looks like an outstanding prospect. Like, if you get really deep into the, the weeds, like, you'll see the, the processing speed and you'll see that, like, I think that he most games looks like UNC's best prospect. Um, the thing is, is the history of drafting guys who don't play half of a team's minutes on a team that's not also especially great. Like the difference between Patwell and uh, and Dayron is that like that FSU team was awesome, and you know on a lesser team he would have played a lot more. Um, Dayron's not playing a ton on a team that like I wouldn't call particularly good. Um, that being said, if you want to, you know, run some light queries, like say 10% over round percentage, 10% assist percentage, 7.5 block percentage, 1% steal, half a free throw rate, and at least one three-pointer, you get a list of Joel Embiid, Wendell Carter, Carl Anthony Towns, Evan Mobley, Mimi Escada, and Dayron Sharp. You might ask why some of those numbers are so weird and why none of them are like shooting. Uh, other than like one except for the one three. The one three, like none of them are like thresholds. They're all like, you know. They're they're not personal action. There's like a lot of team action, a lot of responsibility metrics. It's because like those are all the ones he's really good at. Because if you like say, well, what if you turned that free throw rate into like 0.55 free throw percentage? The answer is no. Dayron disappears. Um, so I think that I can be really interested in in, in Dayron as a prospect. Probably not this year without pretty you know ludicrous adjustments. Um, I just. I don't really understand what's changed with him from what we saw at Montford to what we're seeing at UNC, um, which is going from like the best context possible for him to like an okay context. Um, obviously, I would do things a little differently in North Carolina in terms of ordering offense and then not being so high low dependent, um, or just like have like you know Caleb Love revert to normal shooting percentages. Um, all those things would be great. 
normal but, shooting volume. <laughs> yeah, just just like you know, get the get the mojo back. We all would love to see that. Um, but I think like Tankathon has Dayron top ten, um, which I just think discounts the the value of wings. And like this draft has a ton of wings, and granted, some of them have had less than stellar starts of the year. Like I don't think there's been that much that's fundamentally changed for me about BJ Boston. That would be like he's no longer a top ten player. Maybe his archetype shifts. Maybe you're. I think his archetype does shift. No, I, I agree. His archetype shift, but to, to him having trouble self-creating doesn't take him from being a top five guy to like a guy in the twenties. If if for whatever reason NBA teams are that low, like you should be buying a lottery pick and getting BJ Boston because he can do a lot of really rare things. But I'm not seeing the rarity within day run other than having great processing speed, which is a very valuable skill, but it's not one that returns top ten value. Unless you're in a really, 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 really specific win now circumstance, you already have. Yeah, and you need it, like that. in conjunction with other skills too. Yeah, like it doesn't matter. Like if you can hit the short wall every time, if teams are just playing the pass. Like we talked about it with Mobley and his ability to you know process the floor and pass in conjunction with his mobility and his flexibility and his scoring threat and Dayron just like lacks all of that. And Great impression. So you can go ahead, PD. Uh, BPM above ten. They run sharp, good. But like, there's, I think that you, it, it, there's some willful obtuseness to get him to top ten for me. Sure, like he's a really good basketball player and a really, really good yeah. college player. He'll probably um, be like a, a excellent college player, like the longer he stays. Like, well, yeah, but he's, but, I mean, but yeah, I mean, it seems like he's going. But. Yeah, he seems firmly on on one and done track. Uh, but yeah, like he is a really good college player and a really good basketball player. Um. But yet, like even the idea of him that I that I can you know, try to think of because I re- I really don't understand how you get to lottery with him. But the idea that I think you try to construct is that yeah, like he he is a Xavier Tillman like offensive player, uh, and that he's you know like someone like Tillman is bringing a lot of value on the defensive end. But the you know the athletic concerns all around with Daron I think are pretty significant. The movement is scary and seems to have gotten worse uh, in college. Uh, it seems like he's, I think, um, our pal Trevor Marks, who does a, does a really good job covering UNC, uh, I think he said that, that Daron's put on a ton of weight. Um, he The movement looks worse, and, and just the, the leaping and length are not there. Um, so, you know, it, you know be, just being smart and being well-positioned and being incredibly strong, you know, th- they're worth something. But uh, I don't know how much they're really worth. Like I, I, I think I would. I don't know a standing reach number for Dayron, but it has to be way below average NBA starting center. Um, and that's all. Well, like really, the offense I don't think is at all viable. Uh, I'm just not really sure how you get to Dayron as a, as a lottery guy. I, I think that it's taking a pretty known quantity. Like a thing that is real in a season that has so many like moving pieces. Like Romeo Weems played his first game this week, um, and that's somebody that I like, can get talked into if it with a good season being like a, a fringe lottery guy. Sure, um, yeah, I know that range of this draft is really weak. Like, yeah, at ten to twenty is really weak. Like, yeah. if there were a confidence interval on that ten, I'm sure that it would be pretty low, and that like you know we're just seeing that and reacting to it. Um, but I. A thing that is that I keep coming back to is that like UNC seems to have a problem with putting weight on guys. Um, like this is the the second guy in like three or four years that 
has, you know, put on more college weight and had some struggle as a mover this year, little being the one that like really jumps forward in my mind. Um, so that might be a concern as we look at these guys um, and some of their flexibility concerns going forward. Yeah. Um, the, the, the other thing that, that just like comes to mind with thinking that highly of Daron is that I do like the, you run into a severe consistency problem. And that's not to say that you need to, you know, categorize guys in a way and then be perfectly consistent across these broad, you know, archetypes because guys are very, very different on an individual basis. But if you don't have these concerns that we're talking about with Daron, then I don't, I don't understand one, why you weren't incredibly high on Xavier Tillman. I don't understand, like you must be in, incredibly high on Scotty Barnes if, if these concerns are not there for you with Daron, because like, you know, Scotty is, I think probably another level, uh, for as a like a feel guy he's you know another another level as a as a communicator and certainly as a mover um and is probably like more viable finding ways to score by virtue of like you know using footwork and ball fakes and his eyes to get to these shots these like touch shots that no he can't make but like he can at least kind of get to them i don't really know what what it is that daron even gets to um yeah, it's 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 a confusing one. Uh, I'll be curious to see kind of where where his stock winds up at because uh, he's a he's a very good player, uh, but as a prospect, I don't really get that. Um. All right, do you guys want to talk about now a prospect who we do get? Sure, let's do it. Uh, oh, and also just to to be clear on Daron, like I don't think he's a non-prospect. Uh, like yeah. I. Yeah, like he's, no, he's a he's, prospect for sure. Yeah, like he's definitely like I think a draftable guy, but uh, yeah, but the, it's the lottery stuff where it's it's very confusing. Um, all right, Cade, Cade, Cade. Yeah, we always talk Cade. Um, I I just want to know why Cade against TCU was not like a wildly hyped performance because some of the stuff that he did in that game was absolutely incredible. Uh, I thought that he looked more explosive out of his change of pace and out of his dribble moves. Than, than he has in the past. And I, I know that that's been a concern, and I think a, a fair one with him that he that he hasn't been super explosive. Um, and I think that that's maybe a reason to be a, a, a tad lower on him uh, than than one might have been otherwise. But I think he looked definitely more explosive, explosive out of those moves in this game. Um, and it's just, I think it really highlighted how diverse his advantage creation is that, you know, the the change of pace and the different styles of change of pace that he's, you know, breaking out his ridiculous, like, offhand hezzies to just destroy big men and that he's, you know, hitting guys with smitties and and um, and then, of course, just the, you know, the stop start, uh, the stop on a dime for the for pull-up threes, just, like, destroyed a couple guys' ankles in that game. Um, he, he, he had one possession where he... he gathered and hit the big with two long strides to completely turn the corner on him and then whip the ball to the corner, uh, wrap around. Uh, I believe the shot was not taken uh, because that kind of tends to happen uh, with that team. But he was just so, so diverse in the way that he was creating advantages offensively. And uh, he got, he gets screwed on some, on some missed foul calls. Uh, where he, I mean, he had like hardened like blow bys, where it's just like, oh yeah, you're so you're just gonna have really like smooth explosion out of 
a bunch of dribble moves and there's nothing I can do. Um, I'll grab you from behind and somehow not get a call. Uh, but like on top of all of the crazy, crazy stuff that he did on offense, it was a really good defensive performance as is usually the case for him. Uh, like his, his stunts are so, so good. Um, I think his, his closeouts for the most part are good. He like chops his strides well and, and uh, he's really, really physical sliding too. So he, like, even when he, you know, even on the occasions that his closeouts aren't great, uh, which does happen, he, um, you know, he can accommodate well. And then, like, late in that game, he played the five and was matched up with Kevin Samuel. Uh, and, yeah, you know, it was okay. But he just – he played the five while, do, while doing all of this offensively. Uh, so, yeah, that was a crazy performance that, that didn't get any hype. Uh, and it's a little confusing to me. Yeah, I mean, at least like defensively, like it's it's so mean spirited the way that I mean, Cade Cade is like not the quickest in the world laterally, like he is like vulnerable, like somewhat susceptible to getting blown by, by by quicker guards. But like like you said, like being physical, um, as like sliding and just with his recovery tools, like it's so mean spirited in the way where like he will like let defenders beat him and just recover out of nowhere and and spike their shot or like make a great contest or steal their pass to the roller as he peels off like with that length and the timing and 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 you know his ability to explode like it, it it's truly just like it's mean it's it, it's really mean and like it, it's so good yeah i both at like point of attack and as a help defender uh at the rim it's pretty crazy because like um i think there's one one possession you're probably referencing like they oklahoma state they weak a lot of the middle pick and rolls yeah, and, and there was one where, like, yeah, Cade was like a little, you know, he's looking a little, a little slow, but then just totally yeah, early in the shot. shot. Right. Um, and then there was another one where he rotated down to I think it was Samuel in the dunker spot. Yeah, that was like a Josh Green kind of play. Like, yeah, it was. It was help, helper. Like, I think Josh Green did like the exact same thing last year against like Oregon or someone. Like, it's it's truly absurd. Like, just, like he's like he is like a legitimately like elite defensive prospect. Like doesn't have like I said like lacks like the top end like lateral mobility but doesn't really need it for his role like it's a weird to... it's a weird thing to say but like 20 or 18 8 and 3 is an insanely dominant performance um he had a 39 true shooting percentage in this game and a one turnover and like one of the more spellbinding uh experiences like I think if America used like the like the PIR metric or just any other way of evaluating games other than glancing at box scores, you'd be blown away by this one. Like if you have questions about what Cade Cunningham can do off the bounce, uh, this would be the game I'd point you to. Uh, he had that that slot pick and roll um, that he rejected, um, did a lefty in and out to baseline Hezzy, uh, got by the the second defender, and then. Used a quick two-footed inside hand reverse. reverse. Oh my god, that play was absurd. Yeah, they're oh my the streamable clips for this game have so many expletives in them. Like, oh my god, that play was freaking ridiculous. And it was like the third best play of the game for him. Yeah, I mean there were so many. <laughs> but that's the thing with Kate is that like his bad games, like I think that we think about turnovers in a uh pretty flat way. Um, where I like to think about turnovers, just like how much you're expected to do and like how many or turnovers per decision is probably a, a simpler way of saying it. Like Cade essentially controls the Oklahoma State basketball program 
it doesn't matter how many shots he misses. He had one turnover. Like he ran the program. He ran basically every action while he was on the floor uh, and had one turnover. That is insanely hard to do. Um, and then to do that while answering the questions that most people ha- have about his on-ball creation. Like a lot of times he'll get the cave like sledgehammer games where he just does the right thing over and over again. Like, no, this is a game where he like took real risks. Like the uh the the Sharif style cradle toss he did between Yes, that was crazy. So two defenders uh uh like one one stunts at him, it's like a pretty heavy stunt, but it's not fully a double. And you take the same sort of handwork as an in and out, but instead of bringing it across your body, you kind of kick it out. Sharif has a clip where he does this and then packages it with a, a nuts between the legs uh, when he's in high school. And Kay just does this and splits this double pretty easily. And like that's not the conservative, uh, I'm making the right thing over and over again. It's like, I got to make something happen or we're going to lose this game uh, type of ball handling. And that was that's the things that you can point to and be like, this is a person uncomfortable still making good choices while having to expand their game on the fly. And like, those are the things from Cade that I've found to be most enjoyable about this Oklahoma state year. I mean, it hasn't been super fun to watch because like, this isn't his natural environment in terms of decision-making or uh, rotations or just like high comfort level. This is just him having to figure stuff out and watching him break out new dribble moves. <laughs> it's a, uh, that's been a real fun. Yeah, I mean, just the way he responds to like tight confines and pressure, like especially like from help defenders, is so composed, and he uses it to then like further manipulate the defense and generate the shots that he wants. Um, yeah, the, the Smitty versus Fuller, uh, where yeah, he doesn't exactly. need to get separation; he just has to be stronger than you. Like this is sort of the the Luke comparison is 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 overwrought in a lot of ways, but they win similarly, which is that like they don't have to get by you; they just have to get enough that they get leverage and they can just be bigger than you. But that's the thing in this game, this, this game was more like stylistically like Harden, I think yeah. because he was just getting by guys. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like he was just blowing by guys. Uh, and it's not because of first, like I, like I said, I think he did look a little more explosive. Uh, he looks more flexible to me. That's the, that's the thing that, that jumps out is that he's getting like in and out of his moves with better power generation. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's always had, had the strength. Like it's not a, an issue of, you know, uh, like, like Mobley where he's not popping in and out of moves, but he's just, slinking more mm-hmm. like it, it's hard to quantify but like when you watch kevin porter dribble to kevin porter jr dribble you're like oh that seems like a nightmare like he's just getting in and out of these moves so quickly and with Cade, there's a real pop and flow to how he dribbles and at times at montbert it felt like it was very uh robotic or cardboard um where he was doing the moves and it was really just to, to wait to hit you with you know a, a shoulder or like just being six seven yeah, but the, the the sort of more brutish aspects were still there in this game. Yeah, I mean, I think he did have he did have one possession where he just you know drove, dropped the shoulder, and hit the little push shot. Uh, he had a I had a really nice post skip as well. Like there there are these you know it's just it's much like Mobley. It's kind of no matter what you do and throw at Cade, he's going to have something where he has a massive advantage over you. And can really, and he, he, and more so than Mobley, will really just, no matter what, if you're trying to dictate to him, he's going to be the one who ends up dictating what happens. The ultimate reason why I find Cade generational, like if that's a term we want to use, or why I consider Cade to be B prospect, um, is that when you're thinking about team building, um, his truest flaw is that he's not wired to score and that he is best in a context where. He can make decisions, but doesn't necessarily have to like 
uh, like be the person to shoot 40 times. Um, do you know what there's like a million of laying around like the fringes of NBA on cheap contracts? Like dudes like, like THJ, mm-hmm. like Trey Burke, like guys who you're like, Hey, if I can give you a little bit of advantage, can you pour in efficient buckets? Like those are the dudes who make Cade work. Like the fact that his biggest flaw is something that you can find in surplus in team building for cheap is the easiest way to convert his biggest flaw into winning. Like that is a, a, a interesting way of binding his talent. Um, and for people to nitpick that as like, oh, he doesn't want to get 40. It's like, cool. That's, that's great. You know, it's really hard to find dudes who can pass. Like it, yeah. if he had a concern that was something that's extremely rare to find, like I think that there are like reasons to believe. Like if you wanted BJ Boston to be your primary, like finding guys who fit seamlessly next to BJ as a secondary is kind of difficult because they'd have to have outsized playmaking ability. Um, Kate doesn't have that problem. The thing that you need most is both most voluminous and also cheap. Yeah, yeah, and and. I think that an important thing that he's answered though is that he's he is he doesn't take that much bullying to flip the switch enough to flip the switch enough where it's like I am Cade Cunningham and I'm going to go score on you and I'm going to have the the um the phenom you game yeah shoot fifteen for nineteen or this idea that Cade was like not a dog that he was like a guy who like didn't want to win like a reminder that Scotty Barnes went to Montverde to play with Cade Cunningham because they're <laughs> wired the same. Like those are both dudes who just want to murder people. Scotty, again, we talked about it last time. It's like if you yell and and that's how like people assume that you're uh, that you really want to win. But like like dudes who are just like will stare at the back of your head and be like, it's a fifty. Like I'm going to absolutely like embarrass your school. Also have the same wiring. They just don't yell about it. And like you don't have the year that that Montford had, or you don't take the challenge of, of Oklahoma State, which a lot of people wouldn't have done. But you have to be wired a certain way. I'm like. Cade's just different. Like at a certain point, you could be like, "This dude is is pretty much up for any challenge," and you don't have to push him that hard to be like, "This is how we win." Would you like to win? He's gonna be like, "Yes." Might grease teeth a little bit, but like he's he's gonna do it. All right, PD, do you want to talk a little bit of Greg Brown? Yeah, uh, former Texas Titan legend, um, having one of the strangest college years that I've seen. Strange is yeah. Um, it, you know how easy it is to get him and Jimmer Fredette and Trey Young on a on a Bart Torrey trip? <laughs> it takes like two turns. Well, we talked about this. We talked yeah. about he was taking 10 threes per 100. It was 15 when we talked about it with it our friend Jackson and Frank. Um, right now, it's it, it's still at a healthy 13. Like We we have not mentioned the assist to turnover, though. No. Watching Greg Brown like just like play as an off-the-catch player is a hilarious experience because he will shoot everything. Like yeah, no hesitation, and, it, and it's so fun. Like, but, I assume you know what the assist to turnover is. Um, I have it up on Bart. I like it as the percentage better than the actual number. Oh, I like it as the raw numbers. Okay, <laughs> why don't you say the raw number and I'll say the percentage? The raw numbers are one assist to nineteen turnovers. <laughs> okay, the uh, the percentages is he has a one point four assist percent to a twenty percent turnover ratio, which which works out to a point one assist turnover. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's it's certainly something. Um, we've non we've long known that Shaka's systems create like these extremely strange statistical um, endpoints for play finishers. Yeah, like 
because of the way Shaka likes to play, and which I will say, he's changed that offensive system dramatically, and it is so much more fun to watch them than it has been in years prior. Um, this stagger setup, uh, this, this Nick screen setup that they have uh, where they go five out and have uh, sort of like this dummy corner look is legitimately fun. Um, but Greg Brown is gotten a lot better in the past three games. Sure, two of them are versus lower level competition, but like there are signs that he is putting something together. Um, the most disturbing numbers for me is the 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 steal percentage. He basically has no steals except for the North Carolina and the Sam Houston State game. Um, I think that this is going to be a year that people have to figure out what they take from it because it's so odd. Um, what do you guys make of his physical progress at at Texas? Yeah, I mean, he just always strikes me as weird and inconsistent. Um, like, he sometimes, especially in this in this like off the catch role, he he sometimes I think looks like bursty and explosive horizontally, and sometimes very much doesn't. Yeah. Um, like obviously he's he's a crazy crazy vertical athlete. Uh, but otherwise, like, I, I don't know. He just always, I think always strikes me as weird and inconsistent, which makes sense. Yeah. The movement has always been like a little weird going back to high school. And like, I definitely think it still is. Yeah. Um, I think I was hoping to see some more stabilization. Um, we've, we've talked about the lower body concerns and they've kind of, I was less worried about the ankle than I am now. I think it's his right ankle is like loose. Mm-hmm. If you watch him shoot, it like turns slightly. Um, and then when he's in air, it's like it's sort of kind of just bouncing around. Um, and I was hoping that a, you know, a, an elite medical staff, like, I mean, Texas spends serious money on, on its athletics. Um, Texas University Athletics is essentially a small country at this point um, in terms of GDP. But like I was hoping that there would be more solutions for that. Uh, they obviously haven't had a normal um, off-season strength conditioning program. But I was hoping to see a physical difference in him from high school. Um, he's obviously like bigger in the upper body, but it hasn't had a f- fundamental difference in how he plays basketball. Um, his, you know, the biggest difference is that his hair is a lot cooler. Um, <laughs> and I think that that's. I think that that's concerns me more than anything that a strength conditioning staff wasn't able to solve his lower body concerns, um, even in a short amount of time, which kind of lends a lot of credence to the ideas that Ross and Polar have had about uh, his stability. Yeah. I, I mean, do you want to say anything about a shot either? Um, I am writing a, a large piece on, uh, on shooting and, and Greg features in it quite a bit. It's three motions. Um, the yeah. biggest concern that I have is that, at the very top of of his gather, he puts his hand on top of the ball. So he's he's in full full Bazemore, um, Warriors Bazemore, where he's blocking his own shot. Um, it's fixable, but it's also that happens because his shooting bed is fully sideways. So his his left hand is on top of the ball, and his right hand is like essentially at uh, at ninety degrees on the other side. So his hands are inverse of where you'd want them to be. Like you normally want your left hand facing up and your, your right hand fully underneath the ball, and instead he has his left hand on top of the ball and his right hand on the side. Um, I think that the motions are going to be easier to fix than the hands. Um, 
I think that a lot of this comes from that that leg instability. So here we have sort of a full kinetic chain failure um, brought on by uh, a shooting coach who wanted to make him a two motion shooter rather than a one, trying to just minimize as many moving parts as possible. Um, the release doesn't look that bad. Um, I think that's the best part of his jumper. It's like when you look at the very end of it, it looks fine. It's sort of the gather and the release are the, the very beginning of the gather look good and the release and then just that middle part um, looks irradiated. Like there's a mutation that happens. And like, I don't, I don't mean that to be hyperbolic, but like it really goes from like, it looks really good to uh, nuts and then back to good. And it's just going to be a process of ironing from both directions to the center where like the, the rock comes from. The wait is finally over. Football is in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantages of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, do you guys want to get into catching eye stuff? Yeah. Uh, who do you have first? Um, well, I have Alan Flanagan down, but we don't need to do this. <laughs> I've done this on a, on a, on a previous uh, catching eye, and PD is going to try to bully me, but he's a real prospect now, um, okay. and, that, and that's that. Uh, but I, I, I do think that this is a good opportunity to talk a little Marcus Bagley and Romeo Weems, uh, especially because PD is a huge Marcus Bagley guy. Um, uh, I want to a huge Romeo Weems guy. I, I do not put yeah, my room. They are equal levels. Yeah, we're all yeah. we're all big Romeo, all love Romeo uh, Weems. Like, yeah, I I watched the the debut from this year. Uh, it it's not as good as the box score. Definitely not. It's not um, as good as the uh, one hundred and five true shooting. <laughs> the, uh, no, not quite. The one thousand EVG. No. There, there were actually there were some moments where the handle started to show back up, which was exciting. He, he had a couple a couple possessions where he really created space off the dribble and hit some jumpers, which was cool to see. Because uh, Romeo Williams was was a pretty damn good ball handler uh, as a as a pre college player. Uh, did not see as much of that last year. I mean, he's still he, he's still in a very complimentary role. Um, but uh, yeah, saw a little bit of that. Defensively, obviously off the ball, he's he's really awesome and fun. Uh, and 
I don't think they, he doesn't get the most out of like his communication ability because of uh, his teammates sometimes. Um, but but on the ball, I, I definitely have some concerns there. Uh, I just think that he gets himself into pretty significant trouble sometimes with just being upright, being imbalanced. Uh, and then he's like he's a really slow hop leaper. Like he's a hop leaper like Mobley, but when Mo whereas Mobley gets like off the floor in an instant, Romeo Weems does not. Uh, so he can he can cover for that with length at this level a fair amount, not like not enough probably, uh, but a fair amount. I, I worry about that a good deal um, in the NBA and just like with with the lack of balance and the being upright, like it, he doesn't take contact well. I don't think, uh, and he doesn't like he can't stop well. Like he can't take change of momentum well. But so like he's really kind of I think reliant on like avoiding screens and stuff like that because any kind of contact is going to be really detrimental to him. Uh, obviously he's still a very good prospect and I like him a lot. But uh, the on ball off ball delta there is pretty big right now. Zero free throws through sixty seven minutes. He's played sixty seven minutes. Yep. Okay, I guess the first was a two overtime game. Um, but yeah, but I mean, he comes off the bench, or at least did in the first game. Um, the bigger concern is that I mean, like the free throws. That's obviously real. I mean, he was at twenty five last year. But I mean, zero is yeah. not going to stick. But like, it speaks to the the physicality concern. Uh, the usage is up one point six percent from last year. Yeah, um, I mean, it would, to 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 offer context on this though, he has played two games. Uh, DePaul had had a bunch of COVID issues and started late, and then he I think missed the first couple of games. So he's played two games to this point. Uh, the issue that I had last year was that he didn't shoot enough. Yeah. Um, he was the best player on DePaul and he was like the seventh option, honestly. Yeah. Um, despite being yeah. their highest recruit ever. Um, so basically what I would have, I mean, I thought he was extremely draftable last year and, and probably would have been a top 45 pick oh. for me. Yeah, um, for sure. Not, for sure. not higher. Um, what I would have liked to see from him this year is that the confidence both in the context and uh, from his own decision-making just never wanes. Um, there were games where I felt like, you know, he was a, a guy who has a 1A option on his team, and then there were games where, like, he was basically just, uh, you know, shuttling between defensive opportunities and, and getting in where he fit in on offense. Uh, I would like that usage to get to, like, 27. Is that is that a fair expectation? 27% usage? Yeah. It's pretty high. That seems wildly high. Yeah. I I do think that he's obviously a guy who's I think more capable of self creation on the ball than he's entrusted to do. Uh, Twenty seven seems seems quite high, uh, but yeah, I mean in the in that first game he definitely still looked hesitant, even shooting like pretty solid off the catch looks, which was disappointing. Um, uh, it, yeah, it it bears mention that he also like has had really low assist percentages. In, in both of yes. in the two games this year and then lower last year. Um, I did a smaller amount of research, and uh, if I remember correctly, that was pretty outlier in terms of like guys making shots. So I don't think that he's um, a nutty passer, but he I think he is a better passer than his uh, assist numbers bear out. Um, so I think that if like teammates make shots, that can bully the uh, usage percentage quite a bit. Yeah, to, I, I was never big on his decision-making or, or passing at all. Um, yeah, I, I am. I don't know to what level I think it's bad, but I I was not big on that from him as a, as a 
pre-college player. I was more on in on him as a, as a self creator. Um, yeah, I, I, I do think that there, there are like kind of some Deuce McBride similarities, uh, in terms of like, he, he does have some self-creation equity, but like, maybe it's not necessarily the best thing to happen because of the decisions that are going to be made. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he just, he just needs to be much more willing and confident as a, as a catch shooter at the very least. Bagley? Uh, Bagley? Yeah, Bagley. Um, uh, well, actually, PD, do you want to go first? Because you're the Bagley guy, uh, and I need to navigate to my notes. Yeah, um, so Bagley was, I would say, uh, under-heralded as a recruit. Um, sort of a oversized shooter um, who could attack closeouts. Um, was never going to be a guy who was a, a dribble pass shoot wing, but a pass and slash wing or a uh, slash and shoot wing. Um, early returns were that he just shot. Um, it took three games and uh, three games. And the first one that he made a uh, mid range attempt was Houston Baptist, which is a game they won almost by 25. Um, still doesn't have a rim attempt or a rim make. If I'm understanding these Bart numbers correctly, and doesn't have a dunk, which is um, the most concerning thing because he can really, really fly. Um, it, it's not the same type of athleticism that his brother had, but that was a huge part of the selling point for me. Um, so I would say that this is uh, definitely not the start that I wanted for for Bagley, or really the uh, best usage as Arizona is uh, very much your turn, my turn. And his best usage is attacking uh, um, on on vertical movement as people react to his gravity. Yeah, so I think Bagley is is solid. Uh, he's he's quite large and can shoot. Uh, he he's not a crazy shooting prospect though. Like like the the movement attempts with him are like kind of kind of fake and pretty he's pretty inefficient there with with the footwork and and you know is definitely not sprinting into these things um there, there's there's some nice off ball stuff there like there are some good well-timed cuts he's, he's active he crashes the glass hard uh he runs really hard in transition which is nice and he he like you know creates looks for guys with that uh just by running hard but um yeah i, I as someone who doesn't have uh multi-year viewing of Bagley. Uh, I do not think highly of him as an athlete. Uh, certainly not in the half court. He, he seems quite limited vertically. Uh, on the defensive end, like he, he's making a lot of gambles. And it, it, it's kind of like, what, what would happen if like Devin Vassell saw opportunities to make gambles but had nowhere near the range to actually get there? Uh, yeah. And the answer is that bad stuff proceeds to happen uh yeah that that seems to just kind of be the case with with bagley um and then they're just you know seen some some uh concerning stuff for him as a, as a communicator and, and with his footwork as well uh although i i do think that he that he can move laterally some uh and yeah and then they're just like some some really questionable uh predetermined decisions uh, but but you know at the end of the day he's he's very large and can shoot. Um, I just I think that a lot of a lot of the other stuff there is is concerning. 
the um the shooting thing with me was that he was really inconsistent um when he gets hot he gets insanely hot um uh, and then he'll have games where like the the mechanic inconsistencies override and he'll miss shots that he just like good shooters don't miss um so it can be difficult to get a true gauge on his shooting um where it's like yeah he has this game where he went six for seven including you know two shots that like you know would make tyler hero blush and then he'll have you know games where it's two you know open threes that a team needs and it's just not there um i think that he's probably not a 40 percent three-point shooter which is where it's at right now but the uh the game by game splits on that are pretty intense um the most concerning thing out of all these numbers is is the fact that he does not have a dunk and his block and steal rate combined is 1.0. Yeah, that so, I didn't know. That's terrifying. Yeah, uh, we, we we should get out ahead of the – because I think the, the response on doesn't have a dunk or, or rim make is going to be that he's got a 639 free throw rate. Uh, from what I've seen, yeah, that's not – like Ticky-tack fouls mostly. Yeah, ticky-tack fouls, like putbacks. Yeah, it's um, been really fluid. It's also important to note that his last name is Bagley. Um, ask yourself if you saw Marvin get ticky tack, what would happen? The answer is like he bangs it. Like obviously brothers aren't the same, but like it ticky tack plus nuts athlete is dunk every single time. Like that's the test of an NBA player. Yeah, so I, I think that the, the freezer with him is is pretty fake. Uh or not pretty fake, like entirely fake. Um he's not a guy who puts pressure on the rim. Like his 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 uh driving is like really really rounded no explosion um it's not pretty uh yeah i just i really just don't think of him as like an explosive player in in any respect really um yeah uh just you know there's only if you're six eight and can shoot like even close to the level it seems that he can shoot then you're you're you have some sort of floor as a prospect but uh, the other stuff, is, I don't think is really there. All right, let's talk about Alan Flanagan. Well, I don't, I don't really have anything to say. I no, no, you, you, I you just brought him up. Let's talk about it. I just think that he, is, he, he has sustained shooting a wild number of threes and is now apparently making them. And he takes, he's taking shots that, like, a guy who can't shoot uh, doesn't take. Like, he, he is – Truly taking the hardened step backs from like thirty feet, um, he, he he's taking like he's taking some pretty crazy pull ups. Um, yeah, I just don't think that that he's taking the shots of someone who can't shoot. He's taking five threes a game, uh, ten per one hundred, and is now shooting well from the line as well. Uh, I think last year and early this year definitely was a a flash guy who was impressive, but uh, you know thought he couldn't shoot at all. But if he can shoot. Uh, then he's a real prospect. It is meaningful that he has, as in in the 250 minutes he's played this year, equaled the number of free throws that he took in 420 minutes last year. Mm. Um, that being said, he shot 45% from the free throw line last year. Yes, like, he did on 37 attempts, though. Yeah. Uh, 37 is enough where like most good shooters don't shoot 45. So I guess I need to dive into what exactly is the change that he has locked in that has made him a 30% better free throw shooter and a 25% yeah, better three point shooter. To me, there's, there's so much funk in his numbers that like, it appears to be a signal. 
it it's weird and i'm i'm not i'm not doing a strong or like even super informed take on him to be clear i just think that like he's he's a guy who has been a flash guy um in multiple ways right like he's had impressive flashes as a slasher i think he's had some impressive defensive flashes and now that he's he's really flashing some kind of wild stuff as a shot maker um you know there i think that there's something there i i, I think that I mean, maybe this is not something you'd agree with, but but you're seeing him during his freshman year is like, okay, you know, maybe maybe in three years this will be moderately interesting. Uh, and it just seems like that's coming along faster if he's actually made a leap as a shooter. And we'll see. We'll see if he has. Uh, but, yeah, it's something, it's something worth studying more. All right, you want to get into your guys, PD? Yeah, um, for my guy who uh, takes – who's a tough shot taker. And apparently that means they're a shooter. Uh, Terrence Shannon Jr. Um, <laughs> uh, my personal bet for best Texas tech prospect. Um, yeah. He made off the dribble threes against Kansas. Um, and I buy the changes that he's made to his jumper. Um, the, the ball leaving his hand looks a lot better. It comes out faster. He still has trouble shooting going to his right because of the, extreme uh hip tilt that he shoots with so he had uh, he's had multiple shots blocked off the bounce going right um but pretty like pretty easily too but going to his left it looks like a different jumper so there's probably some limitation and and reworking needed to for him to shoot going to his right um it's not like lonzo level in terms of how it limits his game um but he is a, a fascinating defensive prospect who probably is never going to have to truly create off the bounce in the league. Um, and that combination plus the uh, change in shooting makes him a top 20 prospect pretty easily for me. Oh yeah. I definitely had worries about like the lower body on his jumper as well. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was in the Kansas game. He, he had one catch and shoot attempt where like his toes both pointed inward. Um, that's just like not a motion that your legs are supposed to do. Like the, yeah. the Valgus looks yeah, like a bit of that valgus compression is like quite concerning to me. Um, but yeah, I mean the fact that I'm I'm pretty sure what he took six threes in that Kansas game, and that was like a quarter of his attempts all of last year. Yes, um, which is like undeniably promising. Uh, also, um, we have to mention that he like he appears to have improved year over year offensively, like in shooting at Texas Tech, which seems to be a pretty difficult circumstance um, in terms of like carving out more usage. Yeah, I mean, he's still, like, an awesome finisher. Like, he's super powerful at the rim. Like, he's strong. Um, he's crafty. Like, uh, I, yeah, I've always been a fan of him there. Like, I, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty in on Shannon. I mean, I don't know if I'd call him top 20 at this point just because I have probably, like, more worries about the shot than you do. Um, I'm still, like, moderately concerned, but, I, I mean, he's quite good, like, no doubt. Uh, the last thing I'll say is that uh... – since 30 attempts isn't that stable, he's he's only shooting 73% the line this year, but the two years together, it's 80% on 140 attempts. So, like, we're, we're creeping towards good indicators. Um, There's always been inconsistency with his, like, free throw and jumper mechanics, right? Yeah. But he seems yeah, to have solved the, the bigger confidence issue. Which is the issue. Yeah. yeah. He, he's a guy who's done, he's done a lot of tinkering, right, with the mm -hmm. shooting form, like, throughout the years. Yeah. But he was he was a, a much higher shot usage guy in UIBL. So, and, and what was, what was he like defensively pre beard? Um, he was a little bit two K, 
like it felt a little bit like he was mashing turbo, but he seems to have denatured that quite a bit. And like, I find that as far as like Texas tech guys go, he's making reads within the system. Like, I don't think that he's just doing the system. Um, there's, there seems to be more on top of it. And that leads me to believe that he's not just going to be a guy who um, outside of no middle is going to be a little bit lost. Like his, his understanding of what Kansas is going to do specifically, just because Kansas is such a good X and O team against uh, a defined scheme um, is very encouraging to me. And it just seems like a lot of his bad games are noise. Like he played playing very good against Kansas and then bad against like incarnate word. Like, like to me, I'm just like, okay, like bad shooting that's happened, you know, or, you know, your team is nine dudes deep and they rotate pretty heavily. Like, I don't know. I think that, uh, some people might be overthinking this a little bit uh, and seeing a dribble pass shoot defend wing um, with a good free throw rate. Like to me, that that's just something that you generally would like to gamble on. Yeah. Where, uh, um, where's the mainstream at on turns, Shannon? I think it's all over the place. All over the place. Uh, uh, I think that we're getting that rubber banding on Texas Tech where like people understand that no middle is really hard to unlearn. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what do you do with uh, guys who show good defensive, um, like, and they're also starting to get a higher level of guy. So, like, you have guys that have some, you know, some priors, but also, like, how do they, if they're good defenders but don't really get no middle, like, they they're they don't trust the system instinctively. You're not going to play as much um, if you don't play as much. Like, is is that a sign that you're a good defender in the league or going to be a bad defender in the league? Since people who are good at no middle aren't necessarily good NBA defenders. Yeah, like, DX has him like late 40s at the moment um yeah i mean i've seen him pretty i I feel like i've seen him lower than higher more more often than not yeah and my strategy as you guys know is generally to like have guys higher and if i'm wrong you just slide them back down like it's more the idea of them and then if you know if you're wrong then you you temper down it's much harder to temper up Um, xavier johnson cries xavier johnson um (laughs) my next guy another uh big 12 guy um Christian Braun, um, extraordinarily interesting statistical profile. Uh, he's at forty-four percent on one hundred and fifteen threes career. Um, really? Yes. I always feel like he doesn't feel like that good of a shooter, but oh, that's because of the other two things. Uh, he is at forty-two percent two pointers, uh, and seventy-two percent at the line. And at the line, I have uh, uh, another person that is featured in the in the shooting section, uh, our shooting piece that I'm hopefully going to have out by the time this podcast releases. Um, I'm actually pretty sure I'll have it out. Um, there are some like smaller mechanics with how he uses his rhythm that aren't available when he shoots free throws. So it's not the same jumper necessarily. Like he, he just uses timing really differently um, as a catch and shoot guy versus a. Uh, um, versus a a free throw shooter he tries to bang like everything um which i very much enjoy um but and the thing that i think that is keeping him from being a wider prospect is that his shin angles when he attacks drives are like really poor so a lot of times when you see him attack these really intense closeouts because again kind of a nutty shooter um his foot doesn't point towards the rim in a way that allows him to attack so he is functionally slower and to me, this strikes me to the way that he moves strikes me as somebody who's going to get more athletic with a P3 staff because they're going to be able to to sort out the shin angle and make him more explosive because he has bounce. Like he can get 
when he's in those circumstances, he can finish better, but he sacrifices a lot of his rim attempts because of the shimmy angle and uh, lack of physical attunement. Everything else across this statistical like is thing is super interesting. And then you look at the, the self-created rim numbers and the rim numbers themselves, and you're like, what, what's going on here for a guy who you know is pretty big for for his archetype uh, and is also like pretty athletic. Yeah, I mean, he had an interesting stats profile as a freshman. And and I, if I remember correctly, it was, like, quite a good pre-college player as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think he's, he's a guy that will always be somewhat relevant to some extent. Also, he went 6 for 12 from 3 against West Virginia. <laughs> I just – they run that that uh, that dual um, uh, pick-and-roll flare against one three one, and, like, he just took every shot out of that. And uh, Bill Self, for, for all of his things, just like finds a weakness and just spams it. And it's just, it's a pick and roll on the strong side, then swing, swing, either through a pop or through an attack. And then a flare either on the top person on the pick, uh, on the one, three, one or the outside wing. And like, that's a corner three every single time. And while um, Kansas doesn't do a like extreme motion, they give the, they give CB enough uh, opportunity to shoot off some motion, which leads me to believe that like, I mean, he's, he's pulling from deep in some of these circumstances. So it's it's a versatile jumper. Um, you don't necessarily want him coming off the, like, J.J. Redick profile of shots. But there's a chance for him to to sort of fill that, like, slasher who can shoot archetype who isn't, like, by any means, a, like, a minus on defense from a stock's perspective. All right, cool. Uh, uh, do you have anyone else? Yeah. Um, uh, Amani Bates. Uh, on defense. Um, so I watched five Amani games um, over the past month. And um, Amani is really interesting because while he's been a, a public figure for what now, five years, four years, um, there hasn't really been a lot of uh, in-depth look at, at his game because there hasn't been that many public availabilities for him. Um, Michigan has a rule about border states. So there isn't too many prep powerhouses within, you know, the, the surrounding states or, or Michigan necessarily. And then he played down or he played his age group for both of his UIBL sessions. Um, he plays with Bates Fundamental, um, which is the, the ABU program that um, he's been in since he was young. Um, so playing 15, 16, you, it's, he's so much better than the people who can really guard him. <laughs> um, and it doesn't offer the statistical pro or the physical profiles that are going to most likely give him trouble. Um Bates is a plus 0.5 in the wingspan department. So I think he's either 6'8 or 6'8 and a half with a, with a plus 0.5. And on defense, that presents some issues. Um, he isn't quite explosive uh, as he needs to be to, to make up on on recovery blocks. Um, he doesn't have the wingspan to, to necessarily bother uh, pops um, or these like, you know, space eating those we would look at with like a guy like Mobley or, or even Cade. But the biggest issue is that he has skinny guy hips. So they're really high. And that lack of explosiveness combined with it uh, means that he struggles to change direction. So he profiles as as a as a plus plus on offense. I mean, the shot making is nuts. Um, his his shooting profile is basically the logo at this point. Um, movement or off the dribble, um, he will remind you of that basically anytime you don't guard him over half court. Um, and I, I would say he's a pretty good bet for being 50, 40, 90 guy in the league. Um, but the defense is. Uh, is bad. It's it's like really really bad. Um, it's not just effort, which is a thing we see pretty commonly with prep guys. It's that when um, when it comes down to it, he can't he can't fit easily into a defensive archetype. You kind of have to 
put him into the like the weakest wing on the court and then allow him to to make up the difference on the offensive end. Uh, when he played Chet, Chet was able to uh, get by him pretty easily. Um, and when there were circumstances where Amani had to crawl into Chet's handle to try to bother him, um, Chet was able to to change his hip height blow by. Um, that's a problem. It's not like Amani has the, the wingspan to challenge the, the release point. So I don't necessarily think that it changes the outlook on Amani offensively, like the, the, the touch skills and, and the offensive creation is what it is. But it may be time to look at his foundational uh, archetype as a, as a wing defender. Yeah, I have nothing to add on yeah. that. So I'm really... But, yes, I mean, check, check out PD's uh work on yeah. uh, on Bates. Um Ben, did you wanna yeah. bully PD now? Yeah, yeah. Um just to end, um I'm gonna force PD to 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 talk about Jaden Springer. Um Jaden Springer who appears to be thirty fourth on yeah. the on the DX best available. Yes. Um PD, what are your thoughts on Jaden Springer? Uh he has a tree shooting of sixty six. Uh, he is not getting enough minutes. Uh, Rick Barnes has the shortest leash possible for him and Keon. Um, it would make even the most fervent Calipari bashers blush. Um, the jumper doesn't look bad, like at least from what I assumed it would be. I mean, the, the numbers are really good, and his most attempts in a game is three in that Tennessee Tech game. The the volume uh, for for a small amount is probably fine. I think that honestly, if you expanded his minutes, he probably wouldn't take that many more threes. Like I don't feel like if you played him thirty five, he wouldn't take more than four or five in a game. Um, I still haven't seen anything from him that backs me off the liking him more than Suggs. Um, because oh like, baby, yeah, yeah, no, no, this is this is fine. Like I. Yeah. I I am the origin of, of the thing Ben gets dumped on. You are. I just wanted. It's it so funny. Time. It's it's so <laughs> funny because you you've been saying this all along. You've said this on this podcast so many times. Uh, and I I, uh, I Ben and I both were on the the Suggs better uh, bandwagon, and I I still am. But but not by that big of a margin. I'm I'm very an on Springer. What I've seen from him at Tennessee yeah. has been wildly impressive. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I went from a skeptic to very in on him. But, uh, yeah, I think this is... It's funny. Uh, everybody else in this podcast but me has been challenged for this opinion. Like, <laughs> like, everybody else is like, how did you allow this to happen? But nobody has ever been like, well, hey, why do you feel this way? Not once. And I've said it, like, on multiple circumstances. Well, because like, yeah. I, I do get it. I think it's crazy. But we talk oh, about... I don't, this, like, I don't even think it's close to crazy. Oh, would would Springer? How would how would Springer look in Gonzaga? He would look unbelievable. Uh, like would yeah, would would Gonzaga, hear me? Would Gonzaga be offered a different element if Springer were there that Suggs doesn't offer? Yes, but yeah. they would all they would also be worse in certain elements. Uh, I mean, I don't think Kispert taking more shots is necessarily bad at this point. Yeah, but I don't think that that uh, Springer has the same level of timing and anticipation to execute um, certain actions that Suggs has. Right. But also like, and, and the shoot, the shooting difference is immense. Um, that's very somewhere. true. Uh, also, um, who's better point of attack? Oh, uh, it's Springer by a huge margin. You're telling yeah. me that they wouldn't have him just guard people 94 feet. Uh, they probably would. It, yeah. And it would, it, teams would might score in like a single digits and a half. Like they would just, they, it would be brutal. Yeah, I mean Tennessee's defenses is 
you know, brutal as it is, as ridiculous as it is, as it is, as it's with Springer, you know, playing the role. He the, one, the one thing that I will, I will say that I'm, I, I would imagine with you guys on is that I think Springer is, I don't probably a meaningfully better defensive prospect at this point. Um, yeah. uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, just, yeah. Besides that also just worth considering like what Springer is going to look like in 15 months. Yep. Like uh, Ty goes to the zoomer. <laughs> like it, it, again, how would how would Suggs have looked on last year's Gonzaga team? Uh, I mean, less good, but very good, probably. Okay, how would uh, Springer look on next year's Gonzaga team? On next year's, yeah, uh, probably unbelievable. He would probably look like you know one of if you gave Springer another year of of college, he would probably look like a demon, right? I he just would probably look like what? He'd probably look like a demon. He would literally be yeah. pinning the ball to the ground and people trying oh. to dribble. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I just I, the idea that that Suggs is um, you know automatically prospect three is tough for me because like I haven't seen anything particularly new from him. I think the the extent to which he has totally mastered pace and and his anticipation has shown off. And but his anticipation hasn't been okay. His anticipation has more avenues to be shown off, but he hasn't shown new angles on it. Like for example that. That Spain pick and roll they love um, with the back pick or the Spain or the, the just the, the one that gets spread on the weak side. Mm-hmm. He loves to throw the pass overhead, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's above shoulder level. That should probably be a log. Yeah, so so that's actually a, a point against Suggs. And I was talking about this uh, privately with, with uh, Jake Rosen, um, how the Suggs anticipation does have a downside in that he definitely is predetermined on the deliveries of his passes because – he, I think you know he's he's fully anticipating what's going to happen, but not to the extent of like knowing exactly where a defender's arm is going to be. And so he is, I do think, missing opportunities where he has decided that something is going to be a pocket pass and is throwing that pocket pass like the second before it's there um, when it really probably should have been a lob. So I think that yes, the, there are angles of the anticipation that need to be shown, but with the, what he has shown, I think is an intensity of the anticipation and, and its impact to be even stronger at an even higher level than I expected. So basically my concern with Suggs is that I still don't see star upside because for me, the difference between what I would want to see out of Suggs to be a star is um, individual ingenuity. So like, I want to see like worse passes, but different passes like, okay. Yeah. Like, him having like a sterling ATO like bothers me a little bit because he hasn't tr- he hasn't shown me like oh I'm willing to try an underhand lob here to to really like bend what he could be possible he's still doing Suggs things. What about and some of the what about some of the dribble moves? I still don't think he's that flexible. Like I and yeah, this is the you environment. Don't that, you don't think that he's shown some creativity? Or, you know, it's not mar- I, it's not the, the he looks better. But it's not to the level that it needs to be because he was already starting at a place kind of behind. Well, yeah, but it is. I I do think it's a large step forward from where he was at. But it's still not to the level where you would expect other people within his archetype. Like it's better because he's. I I don't. He's obviously not archetype breaking to the extent that Mobley is. But I I do think that he is. He is kind of a unique player. And, And and when Ben and I discussed this, I definitely made the concession that I I do see significantly. Or like the 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 idea that Springer is has much more on ball scoring upside, I think is true. Uh, 
but I'm not sure that it matters enough for him to be a superior prospect. I don't I don't think it matters. So for me, it breaks down this way that Springer is a better bet to be uh, a point of attack star on both ways. Yes. Like, like there is a real chance that like Springer, like again, Springer could still grow. Like this might sound dumb. Like Springer is still young for his age. I'm not. I'm not. Every- I'm not doing the Springer growing thing. Yes, he could, but we'll, I mean, we'll talk about that if he grows. Right, but it's still it, it. He that is that is a thing that you can say for him that other people basically can't. I but I'm not. I'm not going to say that because I'm not his doctor, and I like I don't know what his growth <laughs> pattern has been like. Like this is crazy. It's not though. This is how this is the conversations that people have when you look around. You're like, "Wow, that's weird." You're three inches shorter than everybody else in your family, and you're 15 months younger than this other dude. It is worth at least a small percentage of a bump. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not baking that in. I'm not baking it. Jaden Springer might grow thing. Okay, it would be cool if it happens, but I'm not. I'm not accounting for that. (laughs) Not, not until Jaden Springer's doctor says that Jaden Springer is going to continue growing. Okay, that's that's fine. I'm willing to look that that percentage amount potentially clumsy. The other thing is that like I'm also willing to bet that the 15 months that Springer has on like Springer could be putting up an absolutely ludicrous statistical season. Again, it's, some of it's going to be hamstrung by by the rotation minutes he's not playing. Um, but uh, for a guard his size to have a 50 free throw rate um, with uh, his de- combined with his defensive rating, uh, yeah. Is um is is like I again the, the shooting is not stable. He's not going to shoot seventy percent from three. No, yeah, but he absolutely bullies people. Like yeah, the idea really that cool. the idea that there is uh, skill growth, if not physical growth, that is hidden both by his role and by his age, um, leads me to believe that there is more of a difference between his star bet and Suggs' star bet than the difference of Suggs being a star in his role and Springer being a star in his role. I think that saying Suggs is a star in his role probably minimizes his impact a bit too much, but I, I do, I, I think it's very much the case. And I've, I've said this, I've acknowledged this last week and this week that I do think it is definitely true that if you're talking star point of attack player on both ends, meaning you're giving Jaden Springer the ball, or you're giving Jalen Suggs the uh, Jalen Suggs the ball, and you know either just giving them a high ball screen or just you know, isolations or whatever it may be, and saying go score points. That Jaden Springer is a better prospect in that regard. I just think that the the difference elsewhere is probably it, not is probably is large enough for Suggs to be clearly better. But I do think Jaden Springer is a really good prospect, uh, and and I I think that you know they've they've played a weak schedule so far. Um, and they're, you know, he's a very good team and he's not playing that much, but I do think that his start to the season has definitely flown under the radar because it has been really, really impressive. And um, I will say that he played quite well against a really good, uh, or a, a Missouri team that has started the season off very strong and it's pretty good defensively. And again, just like, uh, worse, worse moments where he just like bullied, like, yeah, he just, he just works to his spot every like, single time. He will, like, he just does not care who is in front of him. Yeah, I mean, the, the difference between him getting where he wants on the floor versus Suggs is enormous. But the, the you know, the difference between Suggs getting you know, his teammate open uh, under the rim, uh, you know, without really doing much of anything at all, except impeccable timing and, and you know, maybe some stuff with his eyes or minor, minor uh, physical movements, you know, for, for Springer is, is pretty huge as well. 
uh, and that I think Suggs then also translates into, um, you know, much more much more seamlessly into a high value off ball role. And I think that like with Suggs especially, like the shooting ceiling with Suggs is crazy high. And I, I don't think like I think that this the Springer tough shot making is definitely interesting. Like the the working to the mid range spots and rising over guys, especially for for a guard who who I do think can be like a probably a real lead guard is is really impressive but there's the, the shooting like the three-point shooting ceiling with Suggs is intimidatingly high uh who do you feel like would is going to be better at the rim at the next level springer uh probably springer yeah yeah i mean i still have pl- like a lot of worry about Suggs's. yeah uh, i springer i think is a better scoring prospect yeah i've got a lot of worries about Suggs at the rim um, I mean, I mean, like he's definitely going to quell some of them this year, but like, I, yeah, definitely. Max, the only reason I said roll is because uh, my definition of what Suggs archetype is and other people's idea of what Suggs archetype is is probably different. I don't want to create confusion, so I said star. Yeah, I, I mean that's that's yeah. So I mean, like, I think that's that certainly fair. I I just would if I'm gonna miss, I'd rather miss on somebody I think has a higher chance of being a star. That's just generally my philosophy. And also, like, my my favorite game for this draft cycle is put blank instead of Suggs at uh, Gonzaga. Because it's... Which it's, is it's, important. Yeah. Like, yeah. like it's hard also to overthink. Go ahead. To consider the inverse of Springer playing in Tennessee's offense. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, Suggs, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. basically everybody yeah, except like, Scotty would look better at, at Gonzaga. But like, yeah, I mean, like the the Cade uh, hypothetical. Dear, like, don't even okay. don't even take that into existence. That's all, that is. Like, that like, is I mean, it would be like better than Zion numbers. Like it would be, it would be insane. Yeah, you it would, would be totally, totally insane. Five by five every single night. <laughs> just, just really nuts. No, I mean, like you would have like an eighty true shooting and be averaging twelve assists a game. Yeah. A bad game would be when he would like be forced to miss two shots. He'd be like absolutely <laughs> screaming at himself. He's like, my true shooting was seventy five. <laughs> Our offensive really? rating below 150. Um, but I think it's a meaningful thing to say that, like, it's not just that Gonzaga is a good team, it's that Gonzaga is a good team in a specific way that covers up the things that Suggs is not particularly good at. So yes. it never asks it never asks Suggs to be truly uncomfortable. And that's not a nature of by how good or bad they are. That's by the nature of how they're built. So they could be lower on the like the good scale, and it would still be a particularly uh Synergistic fit for Suggs, and they're also not lower on the on the good scale. They're one. Yeah, and they're they're also. Yeah, they're one of the all time great college teams, and it's a a perfect situation for context. Yeah. So, who's your watch catching eye guy? Is it me defending Jaden Springer? Is that is that who caught your eye? Me defending Jaden Springer. I should rephrase that. What caught your eye was you catching my slander for saying the opinion that I've believed for again, like. What are we at now? Fifteen months. Yes. That- you have, uh, you have certainly you and Ross both actually. Yeah. Have, have been saying this. Well, on, I think on, Ross on this podcast and elsewhere. Yeah, Ross for- has been saying it longer than me, just because Ross was there to. Ross watched the game where Springer ate Suggs alive. Yeah. And it was yeah. like, hey, so um, one of these guys is uh, 2020 eligible, and one of these guys is not, and that's important. Yeah. I, I think that all of this, to me, points more to why Suggs is not remotely in the conversation with Cade or, or with Mobley. Yes. Um, 
much more so than than it did because I think that the between Springer and Suggs, I think you probably reached the level at which like these like air quotes initiator bets um, become not worthwhile over the guy who like yes does have some some limitations but is kind of just a next level basketball player um but i'm open to changing my mind on that like you know if the springer role expands and he starts to look like maybe more of a manipulator in his own right um in addition to you know showing off the the scoring package that he's shown um you know maybe maybe my opinion on that will will change but i just think that with a a couple with like the three best Suggs performances that he's turned in so far are at such a ridiculous level of, in terms of just complete like mastery and, and anticipation that it's, it's, it's hard to, to put Springer over. Him. And um, I still think very highly of Suggs as a prospect. Like I said it last week, yeah. I'll say it again. Like yeah, Suggs I, is a very good prospect. And all, all of this is like deciding order in like the same tier for me. Like these two are like three and four at the moment for me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I also think Suggs is very good. I'm just uh, the idea that that Suggs is like a you know a T1 guy. Like, or I, it's hard for me to to imagine what Suggs would have to do to pass Mobley. Like, yeah, like, he, he he won't. He can't. Me. Yeah, I'm again. Like, I'm not sure that the orders of how I believe basketball creates value. It's possible to get Suggs up from Mobley. Like, yeah. just yeah, the, the way that he plays. Like, it's. He would have to just be like, just never miss a shot around the rim. He should be like the best shooter ever. Yeah, and and even still, like, if he were you know presenting the best shooting profile ever, it is still extremely hard to build a team around that for a lot of NBA teams. Like that alone, that is a fantastic skill to be the best of something. Like, is a foundational building block. But there's still going to be a team that says, "I'll take the the big guy who can do everything." That's yeah, just we, we, so. What you're saying is that the Steph Curry split cuts work a little less well when it's James Wiseman uh, initiating them rather than Draymond. You know, it's the funniest thing. Um, the last thing I'll say, the last catching eye thing is uh, the the Jalen Johnson Duke experience has been um, deeply unenjoyable. As a person who had Jalen Johnson extremely high and was very excited to see, wasn't how- that no, number two high? Wasn't that what that was? Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I'm very willing to be like, if he does the things that I think he'll do, like this is an extremely interesting archetype. Like, it turns out that he has some severe problems, and the Duke lineups are very much not optimized to fit him. Um, yeah. But that was things that, like the the Duke, Michigan State, Kentucky, um, North Carolina, you know, roster intrigue was something that we were watching before the season started. And uh, yeah, it's yeah. generally played out that way. That is definitely the case. Ben, did you have anyone? Uh, no, I just wanted to just. Oh wait, then I I, I do have one. Um, well, well, I was going to quickly say, is this our most our most vehement disagreement in like the ten months of this podcast? I think it probably is. Um, I thought there was another one that we did fairly recently, uh, early on when I was still mellow skeptical. Yeah, but I feel like even then, like that wasn't that wasn't that strong of agreement. A disagreement. Um, and I'm I'm probably I probably disagree with this less than I make it seem because I, I like I do at least see where you're coming from. I don't think you're a crazy person for this. Uh, I see I see where you're coming from, and I see the areas in which Springer is a superior prospect. Um, I just think it's missing the forest for the trees. To an extent. Sure. Okay. Um. All right. The the last thing that I had was, uh, just 
watching some of Killian in the NBA. Um, the well, I mean, first the the catch organization footwork has not gotten better, which is uh, disappointing. But the winning at the point of the screen stuff is just like constant for him. He's doing it all the time um, with change of direction, with like three screens, with his handle. Um, it's really awesome. Then everything goes wrong. This like the second that he puts one foot in the paint, everything goes wrong. Uh, like his handle is getting really, really disturbed by by um, stunts and digs. Uh, he, the, I think, the accuracy on some on some of the lobs has been suboptimal, uh, and he's just working with really tight windows because he doesn't have great play finishers around him. Uh, and then he's just not been willing to play through contact. Like he won't get all the way to the rim uh, in a way that I hoped he would. But the the creating advantages, I think, is definitely better than I expected. Uh, he's just really has not been able to do much with it at all. Um, so yeah, I mean, really, really early in his career, but obviously important to to keep track on these guys to some extent. Oh, and I uh, one more. Well, no, I, I won't do that. No, keep going. Let's just keep pushing. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> okay. Um, I guess if Max isn't going to talk, we'll, we'll call it. Um, again, thanks, thanks so much to PD to coming on. We always enjoy talking to him, and I know all of you enjoy listening to him. So, PD, is, once again, is there anything you'd like to plug at this point? Because we've moved two, two days forward in time since the last time I said that. Yeah, um, check out uh, the uh, review piece that has between 9 and 12 uh High school players from the class of 2021 to the class of, I want to say 2023 in this one. Um, and I should have the first uh, uh, intro to shooting piece that talks about shooting development up. Um, as always, you can find me uh, at on Twitter at Above the Break 3 if you want to, at the, uh, if not originator, the, uh, the, the first echo of uh, Springer greater than Suggs. Um, I would please like that. act your slander that way. Um, so it has been incredibly <laughs> enjoyable to watch Ben <laughs> get DM me so It's funny. I mean, I, yeah, it's Over really funny. I've never re- like I've never experienced even close to like the like the, the pushback for any take I've ever had. This is for sure the most. Yep. Well, you just you unleashed it at a really inopportune time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So point being. Go follow PD. He does awesome work and has at least one good take. Um, <laughs> as always, um, follow the pod on Twitter at prep number two pro pod and follow Max at Max A Carlin. And you can follow me at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore. And with that, we'll catch you all next week. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, What is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.